Greeting you with the Holy Word's peace. Peace be multiplied. All right. We want to, all of us that were here at the first service, Trevor done an awesome job. Amen. Awesome job. Some of these people, stand up. This is Trevor, for you all didn't see him. He's our sister. Done an awesome job. Yeah. I'm getting too old to do back-to-backs. All right, we knew that on Friday he'd also done a great job. We knew that uh, he would be doing the, the Easter message for you. And we've been doing the 12 steps, so I wasn't going to stop that. We started it, and I'm going to go right on through each week, and we're at step 10 now. And we do this every now and then because, you know, we all understand Easter is a good time to get saved, yes? Well. And uh, once you take Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, and repent of your sins and get saved, you got that work done, right? Now comes the work. How to live the life. And so we're doing step 10. It says take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. And you remember I'd done a few messages on uh, a thing that Kobe Bryant had talked to uh, the football team in Alabama after a game. They asked him what did he would do to make himself better. He said, I'd edit myself. And this is what we want to do as Christians. Now we know we saved, but we need to edit ourselves. What is in our life that we need to take out? What is in our life that we need uh, to work on. And see, and once you admit it, then you have to have what I call spiritual muscle. You have to have the spiritual muscle to be able to accomplish the things that you need to accomplish in, in the life that you want to live. Does that make sense to you where I'm at? And so this, when this step is one of the most important steps because it, it hurts to take, to take inventory of your life because you see some ugly stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see some real ugly stuff. But you, to, to grow as a Christian, you must edit yourself. You must, I'm telling you, you must take inventory. And we must do this daily. Some of us have to do this hourly. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on. And so, I, like I tell you all, I'm saved. I know that, but not safe. Mm. And so I have to continually editing myself to make sure that I stay safe. Does that make sense to what I'm saying? Because there's things in your life that you need to get rid of. One thing about it, you see, when I look into the physical mirror, I may like the way I look. But when God shows me the spiritual mirror, I may not like the way I look so good. Because he's going to show me some things about me that I overlook when I look into the physical mirror. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? And because we want to be better people, right? And we look around here and we see all of the confusion and chaos and addictions and everything that's going on in people's life, there is a way out of that, and that is Christ. And so when we, we're going to start with uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Are you with me? Say amen to that. Amen. Yeah, you know, every, every year I think we can get away with one service, and then we, you all do this to me. It's very good. I look, you look lovely out there. Now, see, if, if you all were good, good Christians, you say, and so do you, Pastor. Come on, what's up with that? You really thought I didn't want some feedback? Here we go, all right? The Bible tells us in verse 7, to have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So the Bible tells us to train ourselves to be godly. And this is the one thing that we forget. I was talking to a young lady at at a baseball game yesterday, and we were talking about uh, certain things and church doctrines and all that. That stuff won't keep you. (laughs) That stuff won't keep you. Once you get saved, now the work begins. 
Well. You see, and you know, the 12 steps is in recovery. You know, we don't say it in church, but every, every person's in some kind of recovery. That's right. Because you, you overcame something. But less, whatever you over recovered from is still laying dormant. You do know that, right? And so we have to train ourselves. The Bible said, that's on us. That ain't on God. We have to train ourselves, and we're going to talk about how to do that in a minute, okay? In the Amplified Pastor, it says, discipline to keep yourself spiritually fit. We have to discipline ourselves to keep ourselves spiritually fit. If I don't keep myself spiritually fit, then I'm going to fall back into what? My old ways. So this is about work. This is about training. This is about muscle. I call it spiritual muscle. You understand where I'm coming from, all right? For physical training is of some value, but godliness or spiritual training has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Spiritual training will help us in this life and in the life to come. Spiritual training will help you a whole lot in this life because it will tell you, let me tell you, you can't be a good, solid Christian and believe in Christ and believe that God created you. How many people in there believe God created them? Amen. Well, then why, why aren't you training yourself to stay physically fit as well as spiritually fit? Come on. Well, you get quiet. All right. See, don't you want to look good? Don't you want to live old, to be an old person? Come on. A healthy old person? What you're doing now is going to determine how that comes out. That's right. That's what we talk about training. You see, spiritually, my spirit tells me what to do with my physical body. That's right. Okay, all right. I ain't going to keep you long, so you look like you're bored. All right. Then we're told in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 7 from the message. See, one of the things, I'm a co track coach, right? And one of the things that we teach you in track is to get out front, stay there. You know, see, if you ever watch a track meet, okay, and there's like a, I'm going to say a middle distance run, and when they first all start out, you'll see a big pack of people. And they're all running. And then about halfway through the race, you'll see one group get back here. And then they keep on going to the next thing. That's, that's the group that just, you know, they're really there for the fellowship. <laughs> they're back here. They're not really runners. They just want to be on the team. And then pretty soon there's this other group. And then there's this other group that, you know, they get in the middle. They really want to, they work hard, but they just don't sometimes have the talent and the wheel. But then you got that front pack. But if you're not careful and you don't get out, that's what I call get out when I teach the kids get out, you'll get trampled in that middle of that mess and you can't get out of there. All right, here we go. Scripture says you were running superbly. Who cut in on you? See, the scripture says we're talking about running. You're running real good. Who cut in on you? Your life was really good. Who cut in on you? Who distracted you? Who slowed you up in your race? Come on, you don't like this? So you, you, I'm talking about somebody you don't know. Right. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Some of us need to take in our lives. You're running real good. You're running a great race. And the scripture says, who cut in? You see, since y'all not saying amen to me, I'll just come on down here and get ugly. <laughs> Talk ugly, because, you know, I can't get ugly. Right? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> who cut in? Because you're doing real good when you're single? Coming to church, doing the right thing, got involved with somebody, life went to. Think about that. That's what it's talking about. 
You understand what I'm saying? And some of you sitting here, you know that. You didn't pick it up yourself. Somebody handed it to you. This is what the scripture's talking about. So you're doing good as a Christian. You're really doing good in your life. And then you let somebody cut in front of you. Slowed you up. Get me? Go ahead. I think I'll stay down here. I like it down here. Get the Bible says, deflecting you from the true course of obedience. Yeah, they took you from the true course of obedience. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is why you have to have spiritual muscle. So when someone tries to get in front of you, you got enough muscle to push him out of the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? You got to have the strength to move him out of the way. I'm talking about race. Some of you have seen track meets and you watch that, if, especially if you run the 8 to 15 and that, people get in that bunch and you got to use your elbows and get people out your way. If they don't, you're going to get caught in the middle. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then uh, Satan's smart, isn't he? Well, runners are smart. Let me tell you about track. Well, they know what they got. If they got a really fast guy, what they do is what we call box them in. Right. What that means is you box them in so they can't get out. You see? Some of you track people know that. The devil will do the same thing to your life. You're doing really good. And he knows you're supposed to. Let me tell you. I tell you, if three people won't give up on you, God, your mama, and Satan. That's right. You see, so he ain't going to give up on you because he's going to do everything he can to cut in front of you. That's right. Box you in. Because guess what? He knows your potential. Every one of you in here has got great potential. I don't know if you used it or not. And I don't know if you're using it or not. But Satan doesn't want you to use that. So what he wants you to do is to be weak. He wants you to be weak so he can steal that. You see, there's more potential in people being incarcerated and addictions and in the cemetery than any other place because they didn't have the spiritual muscle. All right, here we go. The Bible says in verse 8, this detour doesn't come from the one who called you. God didn't call you to no detour. There ain't no detours detours to heaven. It's a straight path. But we got off. Who caused us to take that detour? All right? Called you into this race in the first place. And please don't toss off this as insignificant. Don't shake this off with pastors telling you this morning. It's significant this morning. I'm looking at you, you're beautiful people. I wonder how many of you are going to be successful mm. in your Christian walk. Who's going to get cut off? Something to think about, right? We're told it only takes a minute. A, a, minute amount of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. And this is Paul talking, and so he's telling just takes a little yeast to, to, to mess up the whole, you know, the old folks, you say one apple spoils the whole bunch. bunch. And then look at your life. It doesn't take a whole lot to get in your life to mess your life up. Huh? All it takes is sometimes one time. And that one time, that one experience can mess up your whole life. And this is what Paul's talking about. This is scripture. This is Paul's talking about Galatians 5 and 10. 7 through 10, he's saying, be careful, be careful. That little bit can mess up your life. Okay? Y'all ain't getting it. Say, make it plain, Pastor. Some of y'all here because of a little bit. Well, come on. You weren't playing. Now you're getting it. You see? You love this kind of teaching, right? You knew I wasn't going to be a nice guy all day today, right? Huh? Because I want you to make it. You can't make it in life. 
the worst thing it is is to see somebody that hasn't went and used their full God-given potential. It's a sad thing to see for me anyway. It's just like watching an athlete, see some athletes with great potential, but they never use their potential because they don't want to do the work. Well, it's the same thing with a Christian. You all can be successful, and God will take you to higher heights, but you have to do the work. And to do that, you've got to take inventory every day. What's out there to hinder me? I have some of you right now, doesn't it feel good to be in here? Yeah, so Satan can't wait till you get in the car. Well, Some of you get home. That's how it works. That's right. He wants to cut in front of you, slow you down. All right. Paul tells us in verse 10, Deep down the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. Now, this is what I'd like to say as the pastor of Christ Temple North, visitors also, that I hope that you get this. I hope you get this today, that you don't defect. I hope you get this. You see, you want to make the devil mad. Huh? I made him mad. Ask me why. He, had a, he thought he had this soul, and he couldn't keep it. You see? You understand that? You see, that charisma and that talking and that sharp talking, before I got saved, man, he was really happy about that. It was a sad day when I got saved. All hell grieved. Oh, yeah. Because I'm the only person who was a sinner in here, you know. Come on, come on. You know that. It's amazing. You all ought to see yourselves the way I'm looking at you. Really? Come on, come on, people. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, some of you were struggling last night. Get me out of here. All right. <laughs> He says, but the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, whoever he or she is, will bear the divine judgment. They're the ones that's going to get the divine judgment, but they can mess up your life in the process. Are you with me? You see, one of the things that bothers me about church folks, Christian folks, they get saved and they want to tell everybody they saved and then the work comes, they don't do the work and then they fall apart because they don't have any spiritual muscle. Didn't train. You got to train. You got to train, folks. All right, we'll keep going. And we got to fight. As we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Right, Paul's saying this. This is what Paul's saying. Uh, uh, we're supposed to be good soldiers in Christ Jesus. Say, I want to be a good soldier in Christ Jesus. I want to be a good soldier in Christ Jesus. Life, read the commentary for me. That's what you were telling me. Read the commentary for me, please. It says, like a soldier, we are in a war that we can only win if we fight to the end. You, this, this is a war we in. Paul tells us this. You see, I keep telling you. He says, I love it when he says, there's a war going on into the members of my body. This is a, you got to be a spiritual warrior. And I heard someone say something once that really made sense to me. It, you ever feel like that, that God had the wrong person? Hmm. That he's putting something on you that you couldn't bear? You know God gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. That's right. You see? You know, you know I, I'm, I am uh, pleased when I tell people that I'm a three-time cancer survivor. I'm pleased with that. I didn't get upset behind that. I'm good. I didn't get upset behind that. Right. You see? And then remember, I told a story. Some of you haven't heard a story. And I was all upset when they told me that. And I said to God, why me? And the Spirit said, why not you? You tell other people how to deal with it. Come on. And so you all have a role model of how to deal with it. Doing very good now, being great, things is good. 
but I had to be a soldier. You see, when they tell you that stuff, you got to put your war clothes on. Come on, some, somebody say amen. You have to put your war clothes on. That don't have to be, can't be anything in life. You're going to have, sooner or later, you're going to have to put your war clothes on, and you're going to have to be physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally fit to be able to deal with life. Amen to that. All right? Like an athlete, we must train for a new way of life. See, we got to train for a new way of life. When you come to Christ, you want a new way of life. you got to train for a new way of life because that old way of life is still there. Oh, yeah. And you got to train for that new way of life. That's, that's reading your Bible. That's going to church. That's meditating. That's praying. That's doing the things that's going to feed your spirit because you have to have spiritual muscle. You see? It's like in most African, most sports, really all sports, they lift weights, Right? And Tiger Woods was the first golfer to lift weights. And remember how strong he first got? Now golfers are lifting weights. So in every sport, you lift weights. Well, it's the same thing in the spirit life. You've got to have spiritual muscle. You've got to have spiritual strength. Teach. Because when something calls, you've got to be able to fight. And let me tell you, you're going to go through it. And if you ain't been through nothing yet, people, keep living. Because there's going to be a time in your life when you're going to have to fight for something. Right? Or even somebody else sometimes. Right? And so we, we, we have to train spiritually so that we have the spiritual muscle. When it's time to fight, we can be a good, strong Christian warrior. That's right. Amen? That's right. All right. Not only do we train, but we also must follow the steps of recovery to the finish line. And that's, remember, we come from the Bible. We got to follow these steps, the Bible, the Word of God, to the finish line. We got to f- follow each step. Each step I take, I take in sure confidence. Each word I speak the same. Each thing that I see in my eyes, I'm sure. For this is my spiritual creed. There's all the things in me to do the things I need. That's right. That's from the Gospel of Johnny. That's what I tell myself. I tell myself. Anytime I got something going on, this is what I tell myself. You understand? I have to motivate. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to be a self-motivator. Your spirit has to motivate you. You see? You understand that? Here we go. Like a farmer, we must do our work in every season and then wait patiently until we see growth. You got to do your work in every season. Dark seasons, light seasons, warm seasons, cold seasons, fair seasons. You got to do the work. And you keep in there and you keep working until you see yourself growing. That's all of you in here. You know what I'd love to be? I'm looking at some of these young people here. I'd love to be your age and somebody telling me this. You see, I didn't get this until I got in them 30s and was pastoring. You see, but really get it. Really get it. So when I'm, I have that spiritual muscle, and I'm able to say no when no needs to be said. I'm able to walk away when walk away needs to be done. It takes spiritual muscle to do that. All right? If we stop working our program before reaching the goal, we may lose everything we have fought, trained, and worked hard for. I've seen people work their tail off for years, lose it just like that. Because when it was time that they should have walked away, they stayed. You understand what I'm saying? It's a terrible thing to see it. You see, I've seen people at the last minute lose it. Didn't have that spiritual muscle. It's called getting comfortable. Look at me. Never get comfortable. You see, I never tried to be the best. Ask me why. 
that means there's no place else to go. Try to be better. Do you understand that? Best is here. You stop it. But the good ones, when they hear, they say, oh, I got to get better. Am I making sense to you? All right. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And Paul's good about that because for some of us, suffering is not doing what we used to do. For some of us, suffering is not doing what we used to do. You, you see? It hurts sometimes not to, to walk away from things. People, situations, circumstances. All right? No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Yeah, y'all need to leave Trump alone. Trump's going to be a billionaire if he's ex-president or if he gets it next time, right? Don't get all tangled up in all that mess going up in the White House. Huh? Better handle your house. That's what the Bible said. Don't get tangled up in all that. That's right. People are losing friendships out here over this kind of this political thing. Why would you get so tangled up in that that you forget who God is? Do you know my life would be good if they didn't even have a president? That's right. That's right. You see, my life would be good if they didn't have a Congress. You see, guess what? The mayor of Kansas City, if he comes to my house, I'll run him out of there. Just a position and a title. That's right. Who are you? Don't get tangled up in other folks's. Come on. See? Right? We're told, but rather try to please your commanding officer. I'm trying to please God. If I please God, I could care less what other people think about me. You see? And some things as pleasing to God is offensive to other people. Right? See, see, some of you, see, some people get paralyzed when someone says something bad about them. That ought to make you even give you more energy. Because if they paralyze you, they become your God. You get that? Okay. All right, all right. In verse 5, we're told that anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You got to go by the rules. I'd love, I'd love Paul talking about sports because, you know, I'm a sports guy. You got to go by the rules. You get kicked out of the game. You get penalized. That's right. Go by the rules. If you go by the rules, you win. You see? There's only one rule you need to follow. is the rules of life. Through the gospel. You see? Churches sometimes make rules they ain't even in here. So that's why you better know this, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I know that uh, I talk to my... Don't be offended. See, I'm not going to be offended because I don't know where some of y'all are from, all right? I talk... A lot of my friends are Baptists, right? And I, I'm on them all the time, because they got more rules and regulations. And then I had some friends who were Pentecostal in Church of God in Christ, and they said, you'd have made a good Church of God in Christ a Pentecostal minister. I said, no, I wouldn't have. And they said, why? I said, because, you know, I like to have me a little glass of wine every now and then. <laughs> and I'm a sports fanatic. And see, in some of those religions, they don't look at sports on Sunday, because they keep in the Sabbath day holy, which is Saturday, they don't know that, but... You know, but anyway, but you know, no, I'm getting, you know, I got the Green Bay Packers and me and, you know, I got all this to do. But guess what? I don't do any, I've offended people challenging them with the God, but I, I'm not offending God because I'm going by his rules. Yes, sir. You see? 
And I'm a guy that lives in moderation and can handle stuff. If you can't handle it, you got to leave it alone. Right. People think that's drugs and alcohol. Sometimes that's the table. Yes, or cable. That's right. <laughs> huh? All right. All right. Because you know what I tell you. You, want, you know what's exciting about church? And the reason I like this, just turn and look at somebody. You're seeing a sinner just like you. You ought to be very comfortable in here. Yeah, we can look at each other. Huh? Ain't we comfortable? And each one of us needs to take inventory of our lives, and we'll find enough work to do in our own personal lives that we don't need to be worried about what somebody else is doing. Amen, Amen to that. Amen. Huh? Okay. He says in verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. See, I want, I want my, the, what I plant is what I'm going to receive. And I want to be the first there. Don't let Satan steal from you what you done worked so hard for. That don't make sense. Go ahead. He says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. Say, Lord, I was at church Sunday, and I heard Pastor Fields talking about taking inventory. I heard Pastor Fields saying, I need to edit my life. And asked him to send the Holy Spirit to help you to edit your life and to take inventory of your life and to find out where some things. It's personal. This is personal. Say personal. Personal. Personal for me. Personal is concerning one's private life. Yeah, my private life. You know, you know what character is? Say no, Pastor. Who you are in the dark. That's right. That's what character is, who you are in the dark. Boy, you, I love you people. I love it. Yeah, nobody does anything in the dark. Okay, and what else? It's also concerning relationships and emotions. In your relationship, yes, take personal inventory of your relationships and your emotional emotions, excuse me. Who's, who's, who can punch your button? Well. You need to take inventory of that. Find out who's doing that. I'm serious. Take inventory of your life. Edit your life. See what's causing you to lose your spiritual life. You've got to edit yourself. You take inventory of yourself. You see, and the one thing about it is when you take inventory of yourself, you're going to see that some other people ain't the problem. You the problem. Right? You see? You're not getting it. Like I said, it's, you see, when you edit your life, you'll find out that you shouldn't have let the same dog bite you twice. Well. Okay. All right, here we go. Personal is also a great Easter sermon, isn't it? Now we want to talk about the cross. That's already been done. We saved, right? This is about the work now that we need to do, take responsibility of what we need to do and how we need to grow spiritually. Isn't that right? The Holy Ghost will assist us and teach us and guide us, but he gives us the choice. All right? You know, I'd have been a great man. I would have never sinned in my life if God would have took away the choice. I still have freedom. I'm saved, folks. So are some of you all in here. Maybe all of you. But you still have freedom of choice. That's why you have to have spiritual muscle. That's why you have to work at this thing. All right? Personal is also relating to individuals' character, conduct, and motives. What about your character? Yeah, take inventory. Of your, edit your character, your conduct, and your motives. What is your motives? I'm going to say that again because, you know, I just think that is really, really good. Individual character. Johnny Fields, what is your character? Edit your character. Take inventory of your character, your conduct. What are your motives? Mm. You know what that means, right? When you do something good for somebody, is it good? Is it God good or good? You good. 
See, if, if it's me good, I want something back. If it's God good, you don't get anything back. All right? We're going to be good Christians, ain't we? All right. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 21. So I find this law at work. Now, this is me. I can really recognize this. And only people say amen that live like this, because some of y'all may be above all this, all right? Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Man, sometimes I want to do the good thing, and me and evil has, boy, he's right there with me. Mm-hmm. You see, I had to apologize to my wife on uh, Wednesday. Somebody honked at me. I guess I must have got over the lane and gave me their IQ. Instead of me turning my head, I drove up next to him. And Pastor Fields left the building. No, that was this Wednesday. You see, uh, and I had to apologize because I went crazy. I don't know if that man had a gun or something in the car. And he didn't know if I had one. You see, and we had, I don't know if it was his wife, if it was a girl in there, and me. And that's why, see, what I should have done is said, thank you. That would have been the godly thing to do. No, come on here. Come on here. That would have been the godly thing to do. Isn't that right? So when I try to do good, though, evil's right there with me. And I have to make the choice. This is scripture. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In my spirit, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is Paul talking, the greatest Christian to ever live. He says, there's some stuff going on up here. You're, if, if you ever been to L.A., some of you ever been to, well, you can go out to Johnson County now and see all those traffic stuff and things going everywhere, exits and detours and all that stuff. Sometimes that's my mind. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like all this stuff is going up in there and it's waging good. Do this. Don't talk. Uh, be kind. Be gentle. Don't think. You see, it's all going on. That's what Paul's talking about. It's all in our head. You know, when you read the Bible, you find out how much alike we all are. That's right. Some of us just have more spiritual muscle, but we used to be you. You need to hear what I'm saying. He said, what a wretched man I am. And I love the way he says that. King James, he hollers out, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? It's Paul talking. The greatest Christian that ever lived. And people said, no, Jesus. No, Jesus wasn't a Christian. He's a Savior. He's above being a Christian. But Paul is talking. He said, who's going to save me from me? Who's going to save me from me? See, I don't need to save mother folks. But I need saving from me. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Nathan? I need saving. Who's going to save me from me? That's right. You see? Spiritual muscle. Training. Okay. Verse 25, it says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks God to Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me, church. All these Easter sermons you've heard, this is true. He can save you from your yesterday, but it's up to you to live your tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Then we're told in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4 from the Life Recovery Bible, that now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You belong to Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation to those that belong to Christ Jesus. 
Let me tell you something. There are people that may know you. You say, hey, I ain't that person. Why? Because I love Christ Jesus. I've given my life to Christ, and there's no condemnation to those that love Christ. Christ doesn't condemn me. I'm not going to allow you to do it. That's right. All right? Some people are still living. Some of you are still living in somebody else's Bible. Yeah. There's no condemnation for those that love the Lord. You see, I go with this one. You need to go with this one. That's right. Get rid of someone else's Bible. Use this one. All right. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because now I belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed me. I call it an overcoming power. I'm freed from that. I have to work. I have a choice. You can be free from slavery and still want to go back to it. Doesn't mean you ain't free. Yeah, see? You can be free from prison. They'll let you, and you go back to it. But I'm free. And guess what? You only, some of you are in here a little timid. You know what you need to tell people when they talk about you once you get saved? Who died and left you, king? Well. All right? I got to be getting close back there, ain't I? I have people to tell me how much time it is back here because I don't like to over, overdo. You know why? Not that I can't talk long, but you can't get after so long, you forget everything I've said. It's kind of like eating and you can't digest it. So people are looking at me. What's he looking at? I'm looking at the white thing. They do that. They flag me out of time. All right? In verse 3, it says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinfulness. Let me tell you something. The law of Moses, that's called the law of the Pentateuch. Say that. That's the first five books in the Bible, okay? And it got all those laws in there. Couldn't save the people. How many of us are breaking the law? Hmm. Every time I get in the car. You you see, law can't save people. Doesn't have the power. Only the Spirit. Got it? Only through Christ Jesus. The law didn't have the power. You can write it down. How many of us, oh, we've got kids in here, but just, we'll talk to the old folks. How many of us that are older had laws at home? Hmm. Amen? Amen. And broke them. Amen. Amen. All right, so those laws didn't work, did they? No. They won't work now. That's right. Unless you have the Holy Spirit. And it just doesn't work because it doesn't have the power to keep you. All right? So God did what the law could not. He sent his own son, a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Very simple. God knew that Johnny Fields couldn't make it. And he needed a savior. So he sent Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. That's right. Because he knew that he could, I could read this all day. I could turn these pages and quote scriptures all day. But without the Holy Spirit in my life, I don't have the power to live nothing up in here. You see? All right. He did this so that just so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Because you know why I can do that? 
spiritual muscle. You can follow the Spirit when you have spiritual muscle. Without spiritual muscle, you can't live a Christian life. And you can't have spiritual muscle unless you exercise spiritually, reading your Bible, praying, meditating, coming to Sunday school, coming to Bible study, coming to church, and that gives you that spiritual muscle. And then you can live the life that Christ would have you to live. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm done. All right.